Praise the Lord. How, about, how is everybody doing today? Y'all are just ignoring me. That's okay. I'll just be up here by myself. <laughs> Y'all have some fun amidst each other. <laughs> now, that's good. I know we don't get much fellowship. We haven't been together. So it's good to see you all. What a beautiful start to our service. Amen. Beautiful presence of the Lord. And I'm just expecting God to do so, so much more. So let me go ahead and open up with prayer. And uh, we'll continue on with the Word of God. I hope you brought your notebooks, your Bibles. If you didn't, I hope you got a notepad on your phone. You can open it up. And I believe God's going to really minister to you through the Word today. So, Father, I thank you today for each and every one of us that have gathered together in your house, God, to give you worship, to give you praise, and give you honor. I thank you, God, for what you've already done in our worship and what you're continuing to do through the rest of this service. God, if they need healing right where they're at, healing is springing forth in their body. If they need hope or joy, it's raining down on them now. God, just because we're transitioning to a different part of the service, you are still moving and your presence is still here and your power is still real. And we thank you in advance for what you're doing in this room. And every home that's watching, every car, everyone on their jobs that's sneaking and watching church, God, we ask that you bless them richly. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord one more praise this morning. Everything okay? All right, well, I'm on part two on why pray. And I don't know if you were here last week, but if you missed last week's teaching, I highly encourage you to jump online and get part one. If you were here last week, raise your hand real quick. I know we had a pretty good crowd. So I'm really excited about today. Last week, we talked about why pray, and we're praying for the power of God. So I just encourage you to listen to that because we need the power of God to manifest in our life. Amen. So we're going to continue to go on, and one thing that's in my heart, church, is that we pray big prayers. God doesn't want us to pray small prayers in this season. He wants us to pray big prayers, and he wants us to be specific because God wants to show off his glory in a big way. And I have to testify because we came out of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you know I get greedy with God during our 21 days, and I have a list of stuff I was walking to the Lord, and I'm telling you, God has already answered prayers. And I will testify when I have the freedom to do so because some things are just in the work, but I'm telling you, God is already moving. So put your faith forward in this season and believe God for some big things, amen? And so only things God can do. That's the kind of things we need to put out there to the Lord. Only things that God can show up and do. And so last week when we talked about Paul was praying very specific prayers and he prayed for the power of God. But remember, he prayed so that and then the will of God. So we prayed so that God would fulfill this miracle. So what God wants us to do is get out of our safe prayers and our general prayers, and get uncomfortable with God. And as I was putting this lesson together, I was thinking about some prayers that we have played, prayed kind of robotic over the last years, maybe raising your children. But how many remember that prayer when you'd put your kids to bed, like you put them in a dark room, you know, put them in their bed, and you'd say this prayer with your kids. And if you know it, you can say it out loud with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What were we thinking? Like, good night, sweetie. If you make it, I'll see you in the morning. It's like, 
what are we praying over our children, you know? Or, you know, how about I do this all the time. I'm guilty. I'll go out to eat and I'll pray. You know, we pray over our food and say, Lord, bless our food to the nourishment of our bodies. And, you know, and you open up your eyes and you got your big juicy cheeseburger with the bacon on it and you got your french fries with your dip I'm so hungry cuz I've been I've been disciplined in myself I'm trying to get get healthy you all but you know we say these prayers that are like these little prayers but God wants us to go big and specific and I'm excited about today's topic on prayer because it's really where the church is at and where God is challenging us as believers because I believe the greatest revival the church has ever seen is upon us and that the harvest is coming in. And I don't know if it's going to be this year. I have a strong feeling in my spirit we're going to start seeing this happening this year that people are going to come to Jesus. But listen, it's going to require the church to get bold and specific with our prayers and also bold and specific in sharing our faith. So if I could say to you this morning, if there was something that you could pray in your life for someone to draw closer to Jesus, to have appreciation of all the goodness of God, and understand every good thing that God has, would you say that prayer? I believe every one of us would say that prayer. And what I want to say is that there is a prayer that God wants to put in us so that we'll have a hunger to share our faith with the lost. And I want to take you through scriptures today as why does God want us to share our faith? Why is it important to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Listen, when we share our faith, and you're going to learn this today, it's not just about the person you're ministering to. You're going to find out in Scripture that when you minister the faith of God or the goodness of God, you are ministering to yourself. You're reminding yourself of who God is and what he has done in your life. And that, when a church gets on fire like that, that's a momentum you can't stop. When a church is sharing their faith, when they're being bold with the message of Jesus and what God has done in their life, you cannot stop a move of God. But a stagnant church is probably a church that is not sharing Jesus. And what's happened with the church, and I've been preaching this for over, you guys know, a year, we have gotten very inward in the church. It's all about me. Uh, Pastor Barr better give me a, bra a great word that pushes me through, and it better have Greek and the meeting, the before and the after, and she better take me deep. Hallelujah. God's not looking for that in this season. He's bringing us back to the basics, our first love once again, the joy of our salvation, sharing the good news why we're here on earth, amen? So I'm going to take you through a book, a tiny book called Philemon. And it's like, it's, I don't remember how many verses, I don't know, maybe 20 or something. It's a tiny little book. And I want to give you a little history about this book. And as I'm sharing this this morning, I think every one of us can relate to where Philemon was at when he received this letter from Paul. But this is a letter from Paul that Paul wrote from prison while he was in Rome. And what's so interesting about this particular letter in the Bible, usually Paul writes to the church, the church of Corinth or the church of Ephesus, but he actually wrote this letter personally to Philemon. It's one of the only letters that we have recorded that Paul wrote a personal letter to one of his caretakers of a church. And so there was this letter, and... What had happened is uh, Philemon was a very wealthy man. He was a merchant owner. I couldn't find out what he did exactly. I couldn't find it in history. But he was very wealthy. But he hosted a church in his home. And what he ended up doing as the churches grew and there was more churches, he became the apostle to all the churches in Ephesus, right? Which is where you get the book of Ephesians. 
Now, Philemon, in this chapter, in this yeah, chapter or book, um, he had a slave, and his name was Onesimus. Anybody ever heard of Onesimus? Now, Onesimus was a slave under Philemon, and what he did is he escaped out of the house, and he ran away to Rome. And what he did is he sought out Paul. And we don't know exactly why. Obviously, he heard about him, and he heard about what Paul has done. But he had to run from the house he was in. And when he went to find Paul, they had a conversation. Now, we don't know exactly what that conversation was. But according to the letter, Paul was able to lead Onesimus to Jesus Christ. And he became a Christ follower. And what I love about this story and this letter that Paul wrote, and it's such an example of Jesus, is when Onesimus came as a slave, he got born again and changed. And Paul said, you're no longer a slave, but I call you my son. And he said, I want you to do this for me, Onesimus. I want you to go back to the house of Philemon, and I want you to bring this letter with you. And that's the letter that we read in Philemon. And he asked Philemon, please receive Onesimus as a, a brother of the house. He's not coming back the same. And what I love is he said, maybe there was a debt that he owed because he left. Put it on my tab, he said. I'm going to pay it in full. Isn't that the gospel of Jesus? When you come to Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer bound to the identity of your past, but you go back a child of God. You are in the family of God, and whatever debt you owe, Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. And so here shows Philemon, and this is where we pick up in this story. And we're going to look at verse 4. And this is what Paul said to him. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. And there's two reasons he was thanking God for, for Philemon. He said, number one, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, I want you to see that word there. Your love for all the saints, right? He had a deep love. Philemon had a love for other Jesus followers. How many know that's pretty good? But he goes on to say in verse 6, but I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, what I want to do is break down some of that verse and hopefully bring a revelation to our heart is that there was this conversation that Paul had with Onesimus, and it was probably like this desire for his life to be changed. And Paul began probably to share his story about how he used to kill Christians and how he was a hated Christ followers and how Jesus came in his life and transformed and changed his life. And he had that encounter with God and got deeply born again. And what troubled Paul in, in response to this letter was that he came from the house of Philemon, who loved the saints, but he forgot about the slaves. Onesimus had to leave the house where Jesus was to go find Christ because nobody shared it with him. And so when, and how are we like that in the church today? We're so inward. We love the Christians. We come, oh, some of the time we do anyway. <laughs> Sometimes you have to keep you saints intact, but I know. But, you know, but we, we're easy to love the saints, but we forget when we go out into the world that there are people who are slaves to sin. They are bound in addictions. 
Their marriages are destroyed. Their children are in addictions. There's troubles in the world. And we are so busy loving the saints that we have forgotten to share our faith. So he didn't come and attack Philemon, but he wanted to make him aware. He said, man, I know you love God, and I know you love the saints, but you got to fix something. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And why? Not just so we can win people to Jesus, which is everything, so people can be set free, but Scripture says that when you share your faith, you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. We could almost miss that there. That our goal is to get them saved, which is the goal, get them healed and delivered. But God's like, wait a minute. When you share the good news, I'm giving you a revelation of the goodness I am in your life. There's a repercussion of sharing our faith, amen? It's not the reason why we do, but it's why we do what we do and sharing our faith, right? So our biggest danger for Christians, and I think where the church is at today, is we are very inward right now. We live in a very self-centered Christianity, even more so when we were reclused in our homes and division and separation happened. It became all about my little world and keeping it everything that it is. And tell me that is an assignment from hell. Tell me, that isn't demonic, to separate the saints from each other, amen? God says to come together even more so as you see the day approaching. So it creates in us as Christians to think about me, myself, and I. What's good for me? And we've got to be careful. Instead of reaching out, right, and, and sharing this love, loving on those who are far from God. It is the season for the church to be bold and courageous. I'm going to teach you how to do it because it's so much easier than you think that it is. And it isn't about a bunch of rules and regulations for the lost because they don't need to be told what a sinner they are. They already know what a sinner they are. Our job is not to bring them to conviction. It's the Holy Spirit's job to lead them to repentance. But our job is to lead them to Jesus. We've got to present the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to love those that are far away from Christ and bring them close to him. Because I'm telling you, that's the assignment of the church. The church that does that will be the church that will experience a revival like they've never seen. You want to talk about, my dad calls it, chaotic control. Church is going to get out of control. Why? Because the new hungry people for Jesus are going to start coming into the kingdom and into the local church. And that starts revival. That starts a momentum. Amen. So we have to be careful that we're not um, reaching away. We're reaching out to them and not retreating from them. Let's not retreat from the lost. Let's not hide away in our own little worlds. I'm going to challenge us here in a little bit to pray for the opportunity every day to somehow present our faith or, or your story in Christ Jesus. Remember, we're not called to judge. We're called to love. It's not rules and regulations, amen? People don't need to hear that. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, he didn't say, go into your house and hide. <laughs> he said, go into all the world and spread the good news baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and filling them with this Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. He said, you're a light on a hill in a city. We are not to be afraid of the darkness. When we show up with people that are carrying darkness, we carry the light. 
We are the hope of their salvation. We are their answers. We're pulling them out of the pit of destruction. But if we are hiding our light under a bushel, how will the world know there is a Savior that can heal them and deliver them and pull them from the gates of hell? Amen. The Bible says you're a salt of the earth. Amen. This is what we're called to do. He said, go into Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. I was talking with Cecil this morning, and you know, he comes from the revival days. And, and um, it was back in the 60s when, what was his name, A.F.? Allen, A.A. Allen had those revivals there. And it just leaped in my spirit like, you cannot stop the gospel. You cannot stop a move of God. The devil will try, the world will try, but I'm telling you, the power of God is real. The word of God is active, and the power of God is going to continue to move until we see this great, mighty move of God. But we can't fear the darkness, amen? What's happened is when you get inward in a church, what happens? You begin to become critical. And we get judgmental. And there's strife, and there's division. Well, they shouldn't do that in the church. Well, they should have did that. Well, who do they think they are putting that person in charge? We start getting critical and judgmental. We want the Greek word. Well, that word doesn't really mean that in the Greek because I just studied that last week. Right? Well, that's the wrong version of the Bible. How dare I teach that version of the Bible? This happens in the church world. We fight over crazy stuff. When Jesus said, wait a minute, I gave you one assignment, not to go into deep theology and know the Greek of every word. Share the good news of me. Share the truth, the gospel of salvation. We are so fat piggies. We have so much information that we're no good. We don't need to know everything. All I need to know is what Jesus did in my life and what he's going to do in eternity, and that's it. End of story. We got to go back to the beginning, amen? Be active in sharing our faith. I know every one of us in this room knows that's important. I know it's a desire of ours, but what happens? Statistics say that one out of every 10 person maybe shared their faith in the last seven days. Maybe. We are the church. We have got to wake up. We have got to be willing to be bold with our voice and our story and what Jesus has done for us. Amen? So why don't we share our faith? Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we simply forget. You know, it's tired. I don't feel like God wants you to minister to the lady behind you. I don't feel like it, God. But the Spirit's speaking. And you never know what word, what scripture, what tiny little prayer is going to change that person's life forever. So maybe we're too busy. Maybe we don't want to be known as the weird Jesus person. Or we don't want to be rejected. But I think the biggest reason why people don't share their faith is because you don't feel qualified. You don't feel like you know how. You feel like you got to know every answer that everybody would ever have in the world. Is the world round or is it flat? Come on, people. Yes. We feel like we have to go so deep in the, I better know, where do the angels come from? Are they here? Are, no, I don't have to know everything. All I have to know is what Jesus did and my story. So it's not about being qualified, amen? If we knew more, maybe we would do it more. But I don't feel like I know enough. So what happens? We say this, if I understood it all, then I would share. But scripture says, opposite, when you share, you'll have understanding, it's just the opposite. So you don't even know it's on the inside of you until you open up your mouth and share it. 
You don't even know the faith. You will be shocked at the scriptures that's going to come out of your mouth when you give yourself an opportunity to share your faith. I remember the first time I went on my first evangelism explosion, which I'm going to tell you my story later, but I remember I'm like, oh, God, I'll have nothing to say. I, I have nothing to say that we're going to pray on the streets. And I was shocked at scriptures that came out of my mouth. I was shocked at the word and the examples that God gave me through his spirit. You have it on the inside of you. Amen. God will fill your mouth with what you need, even if it's just the basics. God will be with you. Amen. All right. So when you share, you will have understanding. And that's the tension, I think, of the church. What do I do? You may not have all the answers. Simply say, I don't have that answer. But what I do have is Jesus. And he loves you. And he wants to heal you and he wants to forgive you. Bring it back to what is important, amen? So let me share with you. I'm going to do my beautiful writing on the board like I always do. I have this doctor handwriting. So I want to show you how we do in our faith and what happens. So the first thing we have to do is share. And that's important, isn't it? I have to share my faith. I have to share something that happened in my life, a story, an experience, a healing, a moment with God, amen? You've got to be willing to share. That's where it starts. And what happens is when you share, you go down and you affect lives. You can't affect lives until you share. And everything that Jesus came for was for lives, amen? And, and you share when you share with them whatever it is, whatever story or scripture, you're not looking to bring them to the finish line every time you share your faith. It's not even scriptural. The Bible says some will plant, some will water, and some will reap the harvest. Yeah, it's really good when you get the harvest, but you will never know what happens in that little seed that you plant in someone at the grocery store or at the gas station or at the job or walking through the parking lot. If it's a scripture verse or just a quick can I pray for you because you're discerning in the spirit that you've got to share something. And listen, if the Holy Spirit is unctioning you to share, he's with you. He says, I won't, if you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. I'll give you what you need. So if there's this unction, we've got to be bold because lives will not change until we share. People are not going to wander in the church to find Jesus. It does happen, and praise God for that, but the harvest is not going to come by hanging new banners on the front lawn. It's going to come by your sphere of influence of seven people around you that you have contact with that is already looking at you and seeing Jesus, and all they need to know is, well, how'd you get there? How did God touch your life? How did he change you? How come your children aren't crazy and mine are a mess? Right? So you're going to plant that seed. God is making a difference. Amen? And so as you share your faith, according to this scripture in Philemon, what Peter said, is now you come into full understanding. Why? Because as you're sharing, you're talking about the goodness of God. And you're saying God can heal you by, your, by his stripes, you are healed. And God can take away your anxiety and your fear. And all of a sudden, you'll start preaching my last Sunday's message. You didn't even think you were listening. And you'll start preaching it. And all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, 
Yes, God's word is true. God is alive. God is real. His word doesn't return void because you're reminding yourself of the goodness of God. But when you're living a life of inward and selfish, you forget who God is in your life. And we're like, God, I need more. Where are you, God? And God's like, I have left a trail of blessings in your life. Share that. Your cupboard is full. Start giving it away. He said, extend your temples to the right and the left before I fill it. So let's empty out our faith. Let's empty out our story so God can fill you with understanding of his goodness. Isn't that good? So I can't wait to share my faith to touch someone else's life because I'm going to be blessed too. Hallelujah. So when you come into that understanding of the goodness of God... Okay, what happens is now you go to outward. No longer are you living an inward life. Now you've gotten yourself out of yourself, out of what you think you need and what you think you want. God says, seek me and everything else will be added unto you. We're in reverse right now in the church. We're seeking God's hand and not his heart, not his face. That's not gospel. Because the commission is to spread the good news. And what happens? Once you do this, you're excited. You're on fire from God. You can't wait to do what? Share again. And when I share, I'm going to touch someone else's life. And then God's going to give me more, and I'm going to get more outward, and I'm sharing. And all of a sudden, you've got 500 people at this church. What happens? We explode with revival in the power of God. Not how many great services we can put together. How many people's lives are we changing outside of these five walls? Because there's a lot of walls in this building. It's like octagon. Right? Something happens in your heart, in your life, when you're giving of yourself. And I'm going to show this video I found on TikTok. And the guy will tell, he tells a story. So listen to him and watch. They're two different things, but they go together. So anyway, I want to show this video really quick. Bing, bam. Probably need it is more. to make people feel good. I was walking down the streets of New York City. And a guy walking in front of me, his backpack opened and a bunch of paper fell out on the, on the street. I didn't think much of it. I bent down, I gathered up the papers, handed them back to him, and pointed out that his, his bag had opened. Now, in our bodies, there's a chemical called oxytocin. Oxytocin is responsible for all the warm and fuzzies, unicorns and rainbows. It's responsible for all the warm feelings and connectedness we have with each other. Friendship, love. Huge amounts of oxytocin surge through a woman's body as she gives birth. This is what is responsible for the mother-child bond. Oxytocin binds human beings. There are many ways to get oxytocin. One of them is acts of kindness and acts of generosity. It feels good when we do something nice for someone. It feels good when someone does something nice for us. On this particular day, I did something for someone with no expectation of anything in return. I got a little surge of oxytocin. I felt good. He turned to me and he said, thank you. It feels nice when someone does something for us with no expectation of anything in return. He felt good. I walked to the end of the street. I'm waiting to cross the street. And a total stranger who happened to be standing next to me said, I saw what you did back there. That was really cool. As it turns out, witnessing an act of generosity releases oxytocin. And he felt good. 
And the best part about oxytocin is the more oxytocin we have in our bodies, the more generous we become. It is Mother Nature's way of trying desperately to get us to look after each other. I can guarantee you that that man who witnessed what I did did something nice for somebody that day simply because he saw someone do something nice for somebody that day. So what if we commit to do something nice for someone with no expectation of anything in return? Imagine what happens at work. Imagine what happens at home. Imagine what happens with our friends. But it must be genuine. clean his hands. Do you see how one person saying, you, you matter, I care. And not only did that young boy walk, because you all have given, you know that feeling. It is an oxytocin release. It's a feel good because we were designed. We were created to help people. But it also was contagious to those around, except for the guy in the red hat next to him. He wasn't about to move his butt, was he? I ain't even looking. But that, what happens now, now you've started something that the Holy Spirit can begin working on. Amen. Now he can begin to have momentum in his church, not based on perfect worship or perfect church people. No, it's about doing the great commission and me having an understanding more of who God is by giving love away. Amen. Loving others back to life. But what happens, it's like Paul said to Philemon, he said, listen, you're loving the saints but you're missing the best part. And so if we don't do the commission, what happens? We don't share. And then we never see lives changed. We never come into the full understanding of who God is in our life. Never. I, I understand God more in my life when I'm doing something from somebody more than I do preaching the gospel. I understand his love and his grace and his mercy and his compassion by little things I do, even if it's to give the homeless person $10, I walk away with my shoulders broad and proud, not of what I did, but knowing that was a God moment. I don't know what that $10 did to that person. It's not my job to know the outcome. If you have to say a scripture verse or pray or whatever, you don't have to determine the outcome. It's just your job to obey. And then you can see where now what happens. When we don't do this, we become inward. And then the church comes to a halt, amen? So what I want to share with you, because I have a few minutes left, I, wanna pr I want us as a church to pray, not right now, but I'm praying this over us. I want you to pray. Last week was about receiving power. This week, I want you to pray for opportunities to share your faith. Pray for opportunities to minister to someone. I guarantee you, when you pray this, God will put somebody right in front of you. And then pray for the courage to do whatever God's asking you to do. If it's a little money, if it's just a prayer, if it's whatever it is, just obey God. Amen. So let me share with you quick four ways that you can share your faith because I'm not going to leave you hanging this morning. Amen. So you can take notes and I'm going to share briefly some scripture verses. We're not going to dig into them, but I'm going to show you the reference and share a little bit about it. So number one, when you have someone in front of you, an opportunity to share your faith, number one, you can be loving but direct. 
Now, this isn't a way you always flow, but there is a boldness sometimes where God will say, you need to contact that person and you need to be bold and say, it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. It's time to surrender all. And that's a courageous boldness. I know there's times when we minister at the altar, I may be gingerly with someone and be like, you know, Jesus loves you and share the whole story. But there are times, I've even done it with Miley when she's brought people, I'll say, I'll feel an urgency to say, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. And let's say the prayer together. I don't even ask them. Why? Because they'll connect to my boldness. It's that unction of God say, you need to receive Jesus. Yes. And we say the prayer and they get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't it happen? Why? Because you can be bold in love. You can be direct with love, amen? And so in Peter, in, in Acts chapter 2, the example was he was preaching to thousands of people. They had just got filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down, and he got in front of those people, and he didn't say, I just want to share a little something with you. I want to give you a moment to decide. You can take it home and mull it over. Let God give you some revelation. No, he said, bold, it's time to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. There are times when the Holy Spirit leads you, you have to be bold and say, this is the day that you need to get saved. This is the day God wants to heal you, whatever God is putting on the inside of you, amen? I call it anointed boldness, amen? Hallelujah. You can be very direct as the Holy Spirit is leading you, but if you're getting legalistic, you'll be known as the Christian jerk. Like you don't want to be the person that's running around, thumping your Bible, throwing scriptures at everybody. Remember, it's in love. It's an unction of the Holy Spirit when you need to be that bold. I remember when I was growing up at the Assemblies of God, they have a class called Evangelism Explosion. And, of course, I needed to take it. I don't know why. I was like 15. And back in that day, the Assemblies of God would take their guest cards, and they would give them to the evangelist. They call this EE teams. And we would go door knocking, if you can believe it. And so in the training, they would teach you a script of what to say and how to lead somebody to Jesus. Do you remember that? And, and if they said this, you'd answer this way. And so, you know, I learn the script or whatever, but the first line, you'd go knock on someone's door, and the first thing I'd say to them is like, if you were to die today, do you know if you'd burn eternity in hell? I don't know. Get me saved, you know? And so what they do is they'd say, before you go to the door, everybody pray together so that you're prayed up when you get there. And the whole time in the back seat going, don't let them answer the door. Don't let them answer the door. Please don't let them. It's terrified. <laughs> There's so much pressure, amen? So you don't always have to be that direct. Like, we'll see the people on the streets and their signs. I love it. I think it's precious. That's probably not going to win many people to Jesus, and I'm glad that they're out there, amen? Okay, number two, you can share your story. Your story. That's all the world is looking for. And listen, you know your story. You don't have to memorize it. You know what God has done in your life. If you, if you remember the story in John chapter 9 about Jesus when he healed the blind man, and all of a sudden the man got healed of his blindness of, what was it, 38 years or whatever, and the Pharisees are fighting over, well, was it his mother who sinned? Why did this happen to him? The guy's standing there. He can see. Nobody's talking to him. And like, well, maybe Jesus, he healed on the Sabbath. Maybe he was the sinner. And the blind guy's like, hey, I don't know what y'all are fighting over, like all this theology stuff. What I know is I was once blind, and now I can see. Yesterday I couldn't see, but today I can see. I don't know about all that stuff in the law, but I know what God just did in my life. Amen? You've got a story. Share it. If God healed you of anxiety, tell your story. 
If you have a, a, a whatever, a depression or a loss or a broken marriage or a lost child, be ready to share your story because I guarantee you when God places someone in front of you, they need your story. God will send someone that had your loss or your brokenness for you to share. Man, I did wonder where God was at. I wondered why that happened in my life. I was angry with God, but let me tell you what God did. God healed me. I could forgive. God restored me. And you tell your story. And they go, man, if God can do that for you, he can surely do that for me. Amen. Amen. You don't need to know everything in and out. Some of you got some crazy stories. Tell it. (laughs) Smoking weed, drinking whiskey, (laughs) shooting up heroin. I don't know. I don't know what your story is. But God will send people. Amen. Amen. Don't be ashamed of your story and don't think it's nothing. That story changed your life and it can change someone else's life. Amen. Number three, you invite people to church. It's time to invite people to church. Faith Builders is not a good church. It's a great church. It's a great church with the spirit and the word and balance and the power of God and a move of God is coming. Invite people to church. And I'm going to print cute little cards for you. They'll probably end up in your back floorboard. I already know. I'll print them for you. But you know what? All you got to do is text people. All you got to do is invite people when you're out for lunch, at getting your car washed. Invite people because you never know what God can do. Amen? When Jesus was at the well, and we know the Samaritan woman showed up at the well, right? She was a sinful woman. No man was allowed to speak to her. And Jesus decided to love on her. And we know this story. She was looking for something to quench her thirst, and Jesus gave her living water, and it changed her life. And what was the next thing that she did? She ran into the city, and she said, come and see what this man has done for me. She invited them to Jesus. We've got to invite people. Don't worry about what they're going to see or experience. Don't worry about any of that. If they're in your world, let God take care of whatever they're going to see and experience here. But you got to say, come and see. And guess what? That woman who had five husbands, Jesus called her out. You got five and the one you're with, hon, is not your own, not your hubby. You're all mess. But you know what? Changed her life. And if she'd have never said, come and see, that whole, the Bible says the whole region was one to Jesus. A region because one woman said, look what Jesus did for me. I don't even know him, but come and see. We've got to be inviters, amen, to the house of God. Easter's coming up. It's the best time in the world to start priming the pump. Start working it. Start planting little seeds, amen. Make them feel guilty. Manipulate them. I don't care what you got to do. Tell them they're going to go to hell, that fiery furnace. You're going to burn forever where the presence of the Lord don't dwell. Do what you got to (laughs) do. I mean, that ain't a lie. (laughs) We don't want it to be our first, you know, but if you got to use it, use it. (laughs) And number four, you live a life that others want. People are watching you. They're seeing how you handle tragedy. They're seeing how you handle change in your life. They're seeing how you went for COVID. Not that you're perfect, but you rose up. You came into the occasion. And if, like Pastor Paul brought it up earlier, Paul and Silas, you know, they, in the moment, they were put in jail. They were imprisoned, faultless, put in the bottom of the prison, shackled and chained, cold and wet. And what did they do? They had a worship service. 
They had a worship service. And because their life resembled the power of God, as they began to worship God, you know the the story. In the midnight hour, there was an earthquake, and the chains were loose, and the gates opened up, and all the prisoners ran free. And the guard said, I might as well reach down and kill myself because the prisoners are all gone. He said, I'm going to kill myself. And Paul said, wait a minute. We're still here. Don't kill yourself. And what did the guard say? What? must I do to be saved? Because I saw you in prison. I saw you in shackles. I saw you false accused, and yet you still worship God. You still praise God, and he set you free. Whatever I got to do to have that, give it to me. Amen? You have everything. The world is looking at you. Live a life that shows I can go through tragedy. I can get that bad report, and I'm going to step into Jesus. I'm going to cry a lot. I'm going to get back into my faith, but I'm going to show Jesus in my life. Let the world know there's something different about you. Not in perfection, but how we live our life. How we rise up. Not religious, not rules and regulations, but in my relationship with Jesus shows true. Amen? So what do we want to do? My prayer for this church is God give his eyes to see divine opportunities to share our faith. Let this church see it, Lord. Let them see the need to share their faith, change their lives, have an understanding of the goodness of God, and learn to live outward. That will create spiritual momentum. Amen? When you share your faith, three awesome things happen, and this is it. When you share your faith, I want you to understand this. You play a part in someone's divine story. What a great thing. You may never hear that testimony. I was a youth pastor for eight years. It's a thankless ministry. You don't get a thank you in the moment. But somebody's in ministry today because of I, I was a youth pastor. Somebody's got a great marriage today because I was a youth pastor. You don't know what came of that moment, but God does. Amen? You pay a part, and someone's telling a story to their children about something you did in their life 15 years ago. You're part of a divine plan of God, amen? You make a difference in someone's life, and you create spiritual momentum in your own. So good. Number two, your faith will grow. You're having a conversation with someone, a family member, mom or dad calls, and you're like, I don't even know what to say. Boom. Scripture verse comes out of you. Your faith is built up. God is with me. God does hear me. God is on my side. Amen. And God begins to show you your faith is so strong. And number three, you're reminded of what you have in Christ. And I went over this earlier, but you remember the times when you can look back in our first salvation. We were so passionate for Jesus, weren't we? We were on fire when I was young. And you know, I was happy and on fire because I was sharing Jesus. And if we've lost that passion, we can probably look in our life, we stop sharing Jesus. And we've got to get back to that, amen? Tell people that God gives you peace. Tell people God heals and forgives them. And as you begin to tell them, God reminds you, that is true. God is real. Let me close with this, Philippians 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing We have in Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Father, I thank you today for this awesome church and what you're doing. God, you are training us, God. You are preparing us for a moment that is so selfless in the kingdom but so rewarding. And I pray, God, that every one of us would accept this challenge. 
that, Lord, we will pray this prayer. Not only do we want your power in our life, but we want to pray for opportunities to share our faith. Stir us up this week, Lord. Let us have the courage to say yes, Lord, whenever, wherever. I will share what you tell me to share. I thank you for grace, grace over every family member, every family unit, peace and grace over their life. Everyone sick today, healing over their bodies expediently, Father God. And if you're here this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, God just asks that you say yes. Just say yes. God can figure everything out in your life, but what matters is you say yes today. And God's power can heal you, free you, deliver you, restore you. So I want all of us to say this prayer together. Maybe you have it, maybe you said it 10 times. It's okay, say it again. Because God's revelation can come true in your heart. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And Father God, I accept the challenge for the opportunity to share my faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I have something to share before I give it over to Pastor Paul. Do we have the video uh, for Bishop's Uncover? I want to play that really quick. Do we have that or no? Huh? Oh, it's in the announcements. Okay, well, I'll just preface it. Um, Many of you may not know Bishop, who is the covering of our church, but he's launching his own show every Thursday called Uncover, and he's going to be bringing prophetic words to the body of Christ. And many of you, I want you to tune in so you can know who our covering is and is over our life, and it's going to be some strong, powerful, apostolic words. So it'll be in our announcements. Anyway, love you all. Let's welcome Pastor Paul. All right.